Hi, my name is Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon, which is a podcast that I just started. (laughs) I had been thinking for a while that I would do a podcast because I make recordings for individuals and I make recordings for my community, usually through paid offerings. Um, And I've been doing that for quite some time. I guess it's been two years now. Recordings seem to be my most comfortable method for accessing my own wisdom. And I guess I just didn't think that I was ready for a podcast and now I do. So why did I call it Moon to Moon? I would really like to spend some time right now honoring cycles. Um, Moon to Moon itself carries the suggestion of that. So I want to, and here we are at the equinox. So what I want to do right now here on March 19th is clarify my intentions and reasons for creating a space for people to come listen to uh, why, why cycles help, why digging into cycles can help us anchor through things as I have come to learn it. And to um, collect a lot of questions in this space for you to ask yourself if you are someone who finds anchoring through journaling or through like being on a walk in nature and answering the questions in your head. Those are all things that I like doing. So this podcast won't be for everyone but it will resonate with people who kind of speak this language that I speak. And so the plan right now for this episode is that first I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk about cycles and I'm going to talk about why cycles help us anchor and center and find clarity and find strength and power and find healing and find purpose, how cycles help us do that through anything. The people that I have heretofore been attracting have been people who are often in states of their lives where the ground is sort of moving, everything's shifting around them, and they recognize that I have something to offer them that might help. That's what I do. And then now we're in a time where it's like, everybody's like that. (laughs) So um, I'm here to offer anyone the same things I've been offering. And so I'm going to talk about cycles And I'm going to talk about the spring equinox and what it's about and what to do with this equinox business that's important. And then I'm going to shift into doing what I've been doing as a paid offering for, I guess, six months. I did a a Medicine of Autumn series that I divided um, into three parts 
uh, Libra's teachings, Scorpio's teachings, Sag's teachings. And then I did a Medicine of Winter series where I did a Capricorn's teachings, Aquarius's teachings, Pisces teachings. And so people could either just buy that one sign's teachings from me or they could buy the whole package of the Medicine series. And it wasn't, I would say, like wildly invested in, <laughs> in a volume way, but like I got such loving feedback um, from the people who were into it and said yes. And so I do feel that it has value. It certainly has value for me because um, just speaking it helps me feel better. So I'm just throwing it out there for those who um, in these times we're living in will feel soothed by this information and then can begin to apply it. So um, I will offer some of that today and I will also release content over the course of a sign season within the larger quarterly season so that um, I'm basically offering what I was offering now and through the podcast format. And then I will also probably sprinkle it with other stuff I want to talk about. Maybe even interviews. I have no idea. Like most people, we're moving pretty day to day right now in my house. So, and finally, I will add at the end a meditation that I ha has been requested by clients um, like often what happens for me is I don't think I can do something <laughs> that enough people are like, will you do this that I decide I have to be ready, you know? And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that for you, listener, that, um, we always have more than we think we have tool wise, you know, and ability wise, wisdom wise, um, I always just have to get still enough to request access to it. You could put it in that phrasing. And so um, I sat down to record that meditation that I'll put at the end here so you can skip on there if that's what you really want. Um, when I sat down to record it, I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't have anything written. Um, and... But I did meditate beforehand and accessed the tools. And so I'm not saying it's like the world's greatest meditation, but I think that it will be helpful. And uh, that's, what, that's what my goal is, is just to be helpful. So getting into it then, right? Okay, moon to moon, cycle to cycle. So... A few years ago, I came into a time in my life where my life wasn't just changing in one massive way. It was changing in kind of like every category. Um, and I... Uh, I really had to dig in to what was going to be anchoring me. And I felt very strong in my intuition because I had been learning 
a series of skills that I continue to get mastered in um, called intuitive healing, which has to do with being able to access your inner voice and your inner wise self. And then from that place, being able to see various ways that to heal and to um, clear energy that's not good for me, you know, to be able to sense my energetic body and know what I needed to do. And all of that was very empowering. So as I was moving through this really shifting period of life, tectonic shifts, divorce, um, complete move from one state to another, um, and then moving locally within the move of that year a couple times, um, kind of financial fallout um, in the sense of I thought these all, certain things in my life would be taken care of and then now they aren't being taken care of um, to, to coming into like a sense of like, whoa, there's nothing to rely on here necessarily, you know? I know that a lot of people live like that all of the time, but this is my truth that I went from a position of things being obviously going to be taken care of to them not financially. A real sense of spiritual breakdown vis-a-vis my professional life and the realization that years and years of blood, sweat, and tears into academic work began to taste like ash in my mouth and was not where I wanted to go with my gifts. Um, And I use the word gifts as a thing that like, I believe we all have. So um, I began to know that I had other gifts that were more authentic to myself than the gifts I had previously been relying on. And so a lot of things are happening in my life. Of course, anytime you've got financial change and divorce, you're going to have friendships changes too. It just begins to happen. And, um, you know, as a, as a mother, you're not seeing your kids every day, which, ha- you know, was the previous normal. There's just all, all, there was just a whole lot that... Um, became a new normal very rapidly. And so in that time, I really was listening to my intuition about um, what to follow and what to guide me, like what to let be my navigation system through so much uncertainty and fear and isolation too. Um, Because I knew that because of my history with alcohol, really going out in such vulnerable times was not going to be a good idea for me. So I began a very devoted hermitage in that year to protect my body's health and my mental health, um, mainly to withdraw from situations where that might activate my tendency to over-rely on alcohol. And why did I have this over-reliance on alcohol? Because 
what became clear that year is I had had a backlog of unprocessed grief and trauma that I needed to deal with. And that jump started really from my dad dying of a heart attack one day when I was 16. He just went to work and didn't come home. And in that year of my life, I had been at a boarding school. So I knew right away, again, it was like I had to move. So it was not just my dad's died and now my entire family has to rebuild itself. But I also have to like give up this other place I was living, which was a boarding school that I was really pumped to be going to. And I really identified with that being my life. Um, So uh, I first learned about like quicksand life. Um, Like the world is spinning when I was 16. And and in that period of my life, I... um, the things that I le- learned to lean on through that trauma were um, overworking, um, like like numbing, numb, how to numb, right? Like we numb to not feel. And so I numb, learned to numb to cope at 16 and beyond how overworking, refusing to feel anything uncomfortable and with alcohol. And all of it was very dysfunctional and hard on my body system. And through various like storylines, I know that I've hurt a lot of people and I've carry massive shame that I've worked on. And, but I also, you know, had a lot of amazing experiences and I had incredible friendships and I was always a really wise person at my soul level, always through, through even the most dysfunctional periods. I was inherently a good person who just wasn't dealing with unspeakable grief. And so when everything began to change at 39 and it was a quicksand experience all over again, I realized that numbing was not going to do it for me this round. And I became obsessed with and fully completely dedicated to understanding how to heal myself. I was not going to a psychotherapist. I was not on any medication. I just began to tether myself to whatever um, wisdom kind of landed to me and came to me in in intuitive ways. So The first of these was that the moon had started talking to me. I know it sounds crazy, but I really had this very clear sense that the moon was trying to tell me to follow her guidance, their guidance, whichever you want to say. And it was like, well, I'm I'm a city girl, don't know anything about the moon, but something, something about the moon is 
really trying to talk to me. So I, I'm going to have to figure out how to study the moon, I guess. <laughs> so I, that's what I did. I'm very good at snuffing out teachers. You know, I have a lifelong um, dedication to teaching and learning. So I very quickly found teachers to talk about the moon, teach me how to work with the moon, teach me about um, how to move myself through the, the phases of new moon to dark moon. And what we learn from working with each of those phases. And it was in this time too that I began to study astrology very seriously, which is also a study of cycles. That's what astrology is about. Is looking at how the cycles of the different planets are showing up in our lives or collectively. There's so many ways to study astrology. Saying you're an astrologer is like saying you're a musician, you know? The question is like what kind of astrologer somebody somebody is. And so when you first start studying astrology, you don't know what kind of astrologer you want to you want to be. But it begins to unfold for you based on your passion. And my passion was always centered around studying cycles to anchor myself through the self-healing that I knew needed to happen because I didn't want to hurt anyone again from my dysfunction. I didn't like feeling like a triggered human being. I didn't like shame anymore. I didn't like the void that I had between my ex-husband for so long, despite our deep friendship, caused by me not wanting to talk about things that I wanted to repress and bury. So all of that can take spiritual, you know, breakdowns and it can, you know, it can come to us when we reach a point where we say enough, you know, like enough. And then we're ready to learn. And then the teachers appear, right? So we begin to learn. And all you do is you bring the curiosity to try things out. You bring curiosity. You bring the willingness to explore the possibilities that you don't know everything that there is to say about a topic. And you'd like to learn a little more. And you also bring your critical thinking skills to be able to tell if a teacher is in alignment and in affinity with you. And you bring your intuition to know like you always should listen to yourself and never like blindly follow a teacher. So taking those tools with me, I began this journey of studying how cycles help move through change, which will be the entire topic of the, the life of this podcast. It's also the topic of a workbook I just sold out of called Moon to Moon, and I'm going to get another one out there on my website once, um, once the new shipment comes in. It's all about this topic of self-healing and anchoring through change with cycles. In that case, I focus mostly on the lunar cycle, right? But as an astrologer and as someone who publishes sign workbooks and talks a lot about signs and how signs 
um, teach us how to be in, be in a phase of a larger cycle. Um, I'm also very interested, too, in astrological cycles. And to me, sign wisdom is about, um, it has to do with connecting to the phase of the year that you're in and what that time of year is trying to teach us as human beings. Nature is always teaching us and we are nature too. Thus, like we work with nature and we align with nature. Like what is needed of me right now, signs we ask. Northern Hemisphere perspective. And so here at 29 Pisces, when I'm recording this, you know, what, what, is, what is the Zodiac teaching us today? It's teaching us about deep release because Pisces is sign 12 and we are, we are now releasing ourselves like water, right? Pisces water. We are bobbing around on the surface, kind of not even knowing where we're going in the deep release of everything that it was to be alive since the last spring equinox when we invited Aries back in. And tomorrow, well, really tonight, Aries will come. Aries season begins because the sun moves into Aries and we move into one Aries. Sign one. First sign of the year, the beginning. So the equinox, the spring equinox is when we close Pisces and move into Aries. So it is the new year zodiacally. So that cycle matters to me. <laughs> Those kinds of the cycles I'll also be talking about, which are more like solar cycles um, in this moon to moon podcast. So the idea of working with cycles, anchoring through cycles is not just an intellectual exercise. It's also an exercise of embodiment. And we do that through actions, through cultivating rituals and ceremonies for ourselves to connect with these energies and call them into our lives and honor them. We do that through actions like journaling and intention setting and like really directing our will and our, um, our goals and our energy towards things that we would like for us. And because we welcome cycles and we understand that cycles also involve the death process, we also include in the cyclical nature of self-healing and that anchoring the inner deep work of looking at ourselves and healing parts of self that we would like to um, be released from, right? So that at the beginning of these cycles, we always have a void fresh start. We're always starting again. So spring equinox energy is very void because it's um, truly a new year. It's truly the beginning. But what's cool about cycles is they all overlap. So there's like a 
okay, Aries begins, but then there's the new moon in Aries, which is like a lunar beginning, you know? And so the, there's, you know, we don't have to be married so hard to, to certain dates because there's always like another kind of building wave energy up to another new start, you know, and this idea of kind of moving with all of these different cycles, like what's Mercury doing, what's Venus doing, we can let all of those help us and anchor us through change. So if you're in the beginning of this study, just trust that you will receive what you need to know now, right now. And if anything feels like so much information or like, whoa, I can't keep up, just trust that over time, it will. You just begin with the first step by holding on to an intuitive trust that that feels good for me. That feels helpful. That feels like something I should try. This feels in alignment with me today, right? And you just take one step at a time, moon to moon, you know? You're just focusing one cycle at a time to get a little bit closer to your sense of self and your purpose in the process, allowing yourself to also be facing and releasing things from the past that you are now ready to heal from. And what's so beautiful to me about this idea of moon to moon is that it's helped me heal my over-reliance on a concept of there being like a destination aspirational self of like, oh, when I get to being like that, then da 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 da, da I'll be content. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be happy. I will be a success. That is false. You know, it, it destroys us. Returning to moon to moon, returning to natural rhythm, trusting in, ascending, descending, light, shadow, external, internal, action, rest, you know, cyclical, cycles, trusting in cycles, helps us let go of this idea that we're getting somewhere eventually and then we'll be something. And it just helps us be with where we are in that cycle, holding ourselves in the present moment, casting out enough will and intention for that cycle, for six months from the cycle, while also like holding space for mystery to help evolve us as well. So it's just like, you don't have to fix all of yourself today. Just one moon at a time, pick something to work on to help yourself love yourself more, feel more compassion for yourself, to feel more in alignment with who you are, to help you make better choices, to support yourself and to build your self-esteem and to get better at listening and trusting in your inner voice. And over time, you begin to realize 
that you're doing better. But it's not fast or easy, you know? It's just about showing up and showing up and showing up moon to moon. So what I found with that then is that as you get stronger, so you must shed old identities because you begin to bump up against like, if I want to really get into that purpose, I can't be hanging around with that person or I can't be doing that habit or I can't be letting that happen anymore because that's going to shrivel me right back up, you know? And so it's about learning how to shed skin and just let it go. Like, it's okay that I was like that. It's okay that I wanted that. It's okay that I rolled like that. And now I let it go. And I don't need to be ashamed about it or weirded out by it. Like, I'm just going to let it go now. So I can slither on out, shinier, stronger, which makes everyone better for the people in their lives. It makes us better for our communities It makes us more loving, giving, nurturing people for us to get stronger. So I adopted the snake and my logo treatment to really underline that that's what I'm all about is uh, living the signs moon to moon, right? Just trying to uh, expand and let go, expand and let go, expand and let go, so that it's a process of digging into who we really are and our essence and our purpose, feeling better, more more pleasure in our bodies, feeling less fear-ridden, feeling less critical of ourselves, feeling more loving towards people because we can make forgiveness happen. And we can let the past be the past and live in present time in our relationships. All of these things are wildly amazing that come from just showing up moon to moon. And so here we are at the equinox. And what I like to do you know, thinking about cycles, that we can divide cycles up in lots of ways. And a lot of this is going to be unique to somebody. Uh, each individual person person will want to divide like the year up in their own ways or divide the lunar cycle up in their own ways. And that's amazing. Yes, do it. <laughs> I share my ways because that's what I enjoy. But There's so many ways to do it. It's just about being guided by one's intuition. And so for me, I follow a kind of Celtic look of the calendar, dividing it into eight points. And these are things that I kind of knew in the background of my life, all my life, but not really. Like I never really thought about the Inconox. I thought about winter solstice and summer solstice because um, I have a, 
a Scandinavian background and we grew up really trying to hold on to those stories and holidays. So I grew up aware of the holiday Midsummer and celebrating Midsummer, which is uh, the summer solstice. And then I grew up also celebrating Santa Lucia Day, which is the celebration for winter solstice. So I was very aware of that axis growing up. Um, but I, I, I didn't much think about the equinoxes, which are the, the points between the solstices, where we have equal light and equal dark, as opposed to the solstices where we either have like way more dark than light or way more light than dark, right? And all of this is this beautiful metaphor that's real for the fact that we carry um, these like, um, we carry these dualities and they're always shifting. And the, in, the shadow matters as much as the light, right? Like going inward and and really facing ourselves in an underground is just as important as being outside, um, you know, building flower crowns. So the, the wheel of the year teaches me how right it is to embrace rest just as much as embracing action, for example. Because this is what nature teaches us. And we can anchor into that because that's been around a long time and humans have been studying these cycles a really long time. We've just lost a lot of touch with it because of modernization. And with the industrialization of time, with the train schedules and clocks and clocking in and clocking out of work and the, the invention of leisure time, leisure time is an invention of modern capitalist culture, We've lost touch with the body's relationship to these rhythms. And thus we have let ourselves be overcome by a kind of modern capitalist way of looking at time, which is all about productivity, action, being external all the time, right? And then we take these, we have these like little breaks and then we're back on, you know, and um, that's not natural. So we can choose to unsubscribe and resubscribe and remember the old ways that still live in our bones and in our cells. So like me, you can look for teachers and look for friends to um, help you relearn these things if you're beginning because I am not speaking as someone who's been doing this stuff her whole life. I'm, I'm a city gal trying to put, put the pieces back together again and finding that it's a lot easier than you think it is because intuitively you just remember it all. So um, I did want to share also that like spiritually, mythologically, This, the spring equinox relates on the Celtic calendar. Then, oh, that's what I was talking about. The Wheel of the Year also has these cross-quarter holidays, like Halloween is, is one of those. 
the, the points between the solstice and equinoxes, the equal points there, which in astrology fall inside of the fixed signs. You'll learn that if you listen. Um, those holidays mark like the real ripening and the richness of the seasons that are commenced by the solstices and equinoxes. So equinox in the spring begins spring, summer solstice begins summer, fall equinox begins fall, winter solstice begins winter. The middle points between those represent the very like richness of what that season is about. And in astrology, we have ways of phrasing all of that is what I meant. And so the spring equinox, according to the Celtic calendar, is called Ostara, which also relates to the root of the word east and Easter, meaning to shine. It has to do with this idea that at the winter solstice, the sun begins its ascent from the underworld to be reborn again, and then it's born uh, at, the, at the spring equinox. So all of winter, even as we're resting, there's like a growing sense of emergence that's happening across winter. Pisces is the sign energy that most feels that approach. And so Pisces energy is really about like, being in that void between what one year was and what the next year wants to be. It's two fish and swimming in different directions. So part of what we are in in Pisces season is a kind of letting go of things um, down to the delta, off to mystery. And um, it's a time when we are very intuitive and picking up on things in our dreams. The past seems to be resurrected. There's a lot of funkiness and wonkiness, especially if you have a Mercury retrograde like we have had. And all of that is like magical stuff coming to tell us about, um, usually speaking to us about what we're letting go and what we're shedding. And then there's also information that's beginning to crystallize across Pisces about what we do love and what we do want and what we do care about, what really does matter. And getting more specific about that helps us cross the threshold into Aries season and then invite that to be born then. So we think about eggs, you know, at spring equinox, eggs, this idea of cracking open and new life coming. And so then you leave the shell. Goodbye, shell. We're coming out of the shell, right? What are we leaving behind? And so, you know, a way to think about how to honor this time can be thinking about eggs, thinking about like little sprouts coming up out of the ground, Thinking about anything that's like emerging now in a visible way. And also about what, what gets left behind. And so what I'm telling people, you know, I create these Seating the Year workbooks for the new year. They're secretly really about the winter solstice. <laughs> and so 
even if you if you got that book or if you didn't get this book, dear listener, I really invite you then to think about everything that's happened since the winter solstice. Like really do an exercise where you fully walk yourself through it. Like feel your life since then and how it's changed. Feel into any intentions that you made at that time or anything you were struggling with at that time. What was coming up? And really connect with that and really hold yourself in compassion to feel what you've been through and all that you've learned and all that's been going on in your life. Yes, our lives have suddenly rapidly changed in a week. But that doesn't matter in terms of like the value of that reflection. That self-reflection really does matter. If we think about time being different than we probably see it as linear, is it possible that our past selves even knew that this was coming and were creating intentions to help put us in the position of being in this week? I found a lot of evidence in my life that our younger selves already know the future that we have. So... Think back to autumn equinox. Think back to summer solstice and then go all the way back to the last equinox too. Really good exercise. Holding all that the zodiacal year was quarter to quarter. Think about the plant metaphors. You know, like what grew and then how did it change across time? What have you been learning What has been showing up for you? Who have been your teachers? What have you been feeling curious about? What has been leaving? What is no longer appealing? Honor all that you've learned, all that you've moved through, all that you've carried. It is in honoring that we can connect with ritual too, you know? A lot of what's lost in our life these days is we just blow right on over our honorings and celebratings. That's a a big no-no, you know? Part of cycles has to be like that full moon energy of that ripening to honor. Actually, I'm down for honoring at all the stages. So here at the spring equinox then, I would invite you to make space for all of that self-reflection. Really turn behind you and look. You can make categories, you know, like astrology gives us categories with the 12 houses. You can easily look up what the 12 houses all represent in a Google search. You can go through your categories like, what did I learn about this category? What did I learn about that category? And kind of move your way around the chart. Those are all the category categories of life is what the astrological chart gives us. And you can think about where you are and where you were and then begin to turn yourself towards what's coming 
And I like to try to live mostly solar calendar wise, equinox to solstice. So it feels like more doable. And then I let my lunar cycles carry some a lot more. Um, like I said earlier, there's multiple cycles going on at always at one time. And we're kind of writing different thematics. Um, the, the more you learn this language, the more you'll know what I mean by that. So what I would recommend is set a, some serious, true intentions for what you would like to be like how would you like to look back on yourself now when you get to the summer solstice and I know you can make a joke like I'd like to be alive or I'd like my loved ones to be alive yes I know hey y'all Scorpio is the, the sign of death and also wicked humor okay it has a place for us in the cycle okay so but seriously, you know, like part of you may be like, my professional goals feel selfish right now. No, I mean, we have things we're trying to offer the world and we're also trying to feel, we also need to feel safe and secure in order to do those things. There's a place for those, there's a place for those concerns in your birth chart. They're natural, they're part of cycles. It is natural to worry about your financial security right now. And having some sense of like what you would like to, um, how you would like to show up for that is perfectly great as part of your intentions. You can also think about leadership. You can think about service. You can think about how you would like to remember that you showed up for your self-care. I'm going to put that forward because the North Node, don't worry about the language, the North Node is in Cancer, meaning the energies are wanting us to connect to Cancer, which is about nurturing and mother and um, feelings, empathy, compassion, caretaking. So how you're doing that for yourself and how you're thinking about the your larger community is also something to really think about as you fold your intentions in together. Um, and so what we're looking at astrologically then through spring is the energy of Aries, Taurus, Gemini. And in time, I'm going to talk about all of those. I'm just, there may be an a little sound as I check the time. Okay. <laughs> I have low tech right now, you guys. Uh, we'll work on that, but it doesn't seem like really that important right now. Um, yeah, I will talk at length over time about Aries, Taurus, and Gemini, because if you want to work with cycles, I really recommend digging into each sign because each sign speaks to the like endless fount of wisdom that each sign offers us for that time of year. So I have my new workbook coming out on Aries. I'm so excited about it. 
it's very rich, it's very challenging, it's, um, it could be your very best friend right now, especially if you're home a lot. So on my website at BrittonMaru.com, you can go to shop and see if you can get a copy. Um, but I'll talk about some of that here, right? But to make it embodied, you have to do the work. It's not, can't just be intellectual. But Aries is fire then. It's this fire energy that is, the, is what is required to send those tulips out. Like what is required now is everything is shooting back up because in winter, Everything was going, everything went down. The energy went down to the storage organs. Everything had to go through what's called a hardening process to survive. Aries is like kundalini, strong fire energy from the root, shooting back up. It doesn't have to be told what to do. It knows what to do. It's coming forward. Just like as in us, there's this energy that we don't have to control or micromanage. It's just about listening what is trying to come through right now. And then that fire energy bursts forth onto the screen, onto the scene, just like reaching for that sun. Like, I'm here. When I talk more about Aries and its ruler Mars, we'll really deepen into that. Taurus then comes in mid-spring, roots. Taurus says, Earth, we must make this thing sustainable. We must make this thing steadfast. We must, we must have it um, last. Like, what is the structure? Is this thing that we've been building secure? Is this idea secure? Or is it just going to dissipate when the fire burns out? So Taurus energy roots down, this is how it's going to be. This is the structure. This is what it's going to feel and look like and smell like and taste like. And then Gemini is the energy of air pollinating. It's like bees going from flower to flower. It's winds sending seeds everywhere. It is about the movement of ideas, sending things all around, choices and options. Um, dissemination is a big word there. So moving, you can also set intentions for the season based on that information of like, what is growing, like tarot spread, what is growing, what will it need to um, sustain itself? And how will I share once it's sustained, like once it's settled? So if it's not clear by now, let me be clear that All of this talk about astrology and this talk about the moon, it is not something that's just 
precious or aesthetically pleasing or cool and bohemian. Rather, it is a radical, wild, magical way of connecting in with your inner healer and your ability to hold yourself through any change because you know how to work with cycles. And it is actually an embrace of the fact that nature does involve chaos and nature does involve some death and nature does involve unknowns. And the reason our ancestors set these rituals up was for their survival and to help them through that uncertainty. Surviving winter, surviving drought, surviving anything, right, that comes. You anchor into the rituals. If you heard my last podcast, I talked about that. Enjoy ritual and ceremony and fear ritual and ceremony and grief ritual and ceremony. I fully know that recording this podcast is for me going to be my way of performing a kind of ritual for myself to anchor me and anyone else listening through what feels very, very uncertain. Because these things I do know, and these things bring me comfort. And the more I talk about them and be with them, the more I feel that everything will be okay. So that is what my intention is with this podcast then. If you are enjoying this, I hope you will send me a note and tell me what you might like to hear about. At Instagram, I'm at Britton LaRue, B-R-I-T-T-E-N-L-A-R-U-E. My website is BrittonLaRue.com. To know about things I'm doing, you would go to Instagram or you would be on my newsletter. At my website, you can find out about the workbooks I create that are my dear babies and a gift that I understand are helping people a lot and people are really loving, which makes me very happy. What I've learned early on in the process of trying to find my voice was to not worry about pleasing everyone, really just be writing to a younger version of myself. And that's really what I do. Um, I really just write to please myself, knowing and trusting that there's somebody out there who will love it too. So that's what this this all is in all honesty. So 
I'm in the process of getting this on iTunes. If you're listening from iTunes, I'm going to have to ask you to do what everybody always says. (laughs) And you know what that is. Yes, I'm going to say it. Please like, subscribe, or leave a review so that other people can find me, okay? (laughs) There's a reason why people ask that. You know, I'll just say this too while we're at it. What balances Aries is Libra, and Libra speaks to fair exchange, right? And I think that in this weird time where people don't know what they can pay for, and people's like, oh my God, free fall, like, how am I going to get money? This idea of exchange is really important. So it's Liking, subscribing, and leaving a review is a really lovely way to be in fair and beautiful exchange with people when you don't know if you can afford their offerings or their books, right? But you can say, you can, you can receive and then you can give back and it doesn't have to be money, right? Everyone will know what a fair exchange is. But it's definitely a time to keep exchange like so important for us as a community like and not move into fear, which is when we just want to hoard and we just want to take, right? That's not going to be helpful. That's not North Node in Cancer. What, what we need right now is uh, a reevaluation of the concept of exchange, what does exchange look like in these times, right? And so it's it's not to be cute to ask for a review or or, or a subscribe. It's 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 an honoring that is beautiful. It's like this giving and receiving is y'all the life force, okay? That is life force energy, giving and receiving. It is creative energy. It is love energy. And we can neutralize our any like weird feelings we have about money by beginning to see it as this like pumping, pulsing, life generating thing that is Aries and Libra, that is Mars and Venus in exchange giving and receiving. I guess my dog has called the end. (laughs) Following this, I will have the meditation. So I hope that um, if you feel called to try it out, you will be not driving and um, that it will be of service to you. Take care and um, be in touch. Cheers. So what I'd like to do now is share a meditation practice that you can make your own. This has just come from a combination of things I've learned from my teachers, namely Deborah Kremens, who lives on Maui, 
I've learned a lot about meditation from Achintya Devi, who is um, goddessrising.org. And then I've just played around with things myself. So what I recommend doing, and let me, let me honor this with some kind of name, like this is a meditation to connect with your health, to remove fear, and to call yourself back um, for uh, utmost sense of wholeness and personal ownership at a time when um, I think there's a lot that feels like a threat to our wholeness, a threat to our ownership of our health. And um, I suggest playing around with this to um, bring yourself back to your own health. This is not a... um, This is not a 100% method to prevent getting coronavirus or any illness at this time of year, but it can help with um, feeling more in your health and power and wholeness in any present moment, and that's what we're going for. So... If you haven't, I would recommend putting on some binaural beats or theta wave music that you really like. So you can pause this and get that going somewhere in your space. It really helps. And I recommend then taking several deep breaths on purpose. to allow yourself to connect with gravity and a feeling sense of gravity so that you can sink more deeply into yourself so that you can be completely in your body in the room that you're in It's like push, mushing, pushing yourself down deeper into your skin. Breathing down, down, down so that you really come into contact with the ground, however you're sitting or lying. And really feel that ground holding you. You can imagine the apertures of your skin opening up to dilate in welcome to the ground beneath you, saying hello to the earth beneath you, opening up to receive the earth at the contact points that you have between you and the ground. Gladly allow yourself to slip deeper into those contact points a little further. 
Noticing your energy dropping deeper down into yourself and towards Mother Earth. And now from the bottom of your spine, your coccyx, imagine a plumb line dropping, dropping, dropping down, down through the earth, moving through layers of rock and water, down deeper into the earth, all the way to the very center where it tethers around the core of the planet, feeling a tug to confirm that tethering. You are connected, trust in it. Imagining that the core of the earth is now lighting up lighting up a special energy resonance to send to you now. And it begins to send this ball of light. Notice what it looks like. It sends this ball of light upwards, up your grounding cord, through the layers of the earth, pushing up towards you until you feel this energy light from the earth coming up and moving up through your contact points and beginning to circulate through all the cells of your body. This earth energy moving through and around your tissues Tendons, bones, cells, blood. Feeling this energy of the earth coming to help you. What is this earth energy? Feel into what it is and let it suffuse you with its essences. All through your body to your fingertips, around your heart, through your shoulders and neck, around your skull, your eyeballs, through your analytical brain, through your intuitive center at the sixth chakra, the third eye, around your teeth even, the energy of the earth suffusing you. Let it move down your spine, up your spine. Connect with an understanding of the width of that grounding column. If you would like to reset it, 
simply ask it to set to the width that you would feel most guided by right now. Would you like your grounding to just be as wide as your body? Would you like it to include three feet around you in every direction? Would you like your grounding to be as large as the room that you're in? You can play with that and come to the proper and appropriate grounding for you right now. And now from this place, imagine a ball of light above the top of your head. A beautiful, bright diamond light, suffuse with any other color that would be an affinity for you right now. See it above your head. Now begin to call this energy down through the top of your head. It's a limitless amount of light, so it will continue to be bright and big above you. And now we're bringing some of it in. Through the top of your head, let it circulate around in your brain around your eyes and in your mouth and throat, your pineal gland at the center of your head. Let it move downward then, all around your throat, swirling around. Let it continue down to your heart space Suffusing your heart with this bright diamond light. Expanding to fill your whole chest cavity. Let it move down to your third chakra below your diaphragm. Your power center. Let this ball of light fill that area. Moving down to your second chakra in your lower belly. Breathe in and out this light there. And then let it pool and brighten your root at the perineum and the coccyx. Let yourself feel a kind of warming at your root as this bright ball of light suffuses you there. Let the light circulate now up and down your spine and through your system. 
as you breathe out, imagine this light flowing out into the sphere around you that is your aura, circulating back up to the ball above your head and then back down through the top of your head so that there is a loop Begin to notice your aura. Even if you've never done this before, you can imagine that you're sitting inside of a kind of orb or an egg and command that this aura, this egg, be fully lit up with clear edges in all directions above you, in front of you, to your left, to your right, behind you, below you, several feet into the earth. See yourself inside of this cosmic egg, completely surrounded by bright light, safely secure, Now notice if there's any energy in your space that's not yours. Any energy of fear or panic. Any language that doesn't belong to you. Visuals that are not helping you stats that are terrifying you. Notice if any of that is in your space still and then send this out of your orb. Collect it all into a garbage pail about 20 feet outside of your space. See that garbage pail? Please dump all fears that take your power away. Anything that you'd like to be removed, just put it in the pail. And now visualize and make happen that the garbage pail moves to the farthest reaches of the universe and to the universe beyond that where it may dissolve as neutral energy and not harm anyone. Now let's notice if you've lost any energy. Ask yourself to know right now if your own personal energy is lost somewhere outside of yourself in a conversation with somebody else, in a feed, in an email. Call all of your energy back to you now. Let it come back to you like vines or webbing. Let it come on golden light towards the top of your head See all of your energy coming back to you and let it move 
into that ball of light and begin to drip down through the top of your head all the way down your spine slowly and surely to your feet to your seat bring it all back home Feel yourself more full and whole and say, as I like to say, all of me inside of me, all of me inside of me, all of me inside of me. Now imagine a kind of um, border, the border of your aura. Connect with your border edges. Determine how far away you would like it to be. Do you want it close? Do you want it far out? Play with what feels best for you. It's your aura. And now ask yourself what a nice boundary image would be for your aura. Perhaps a boundary of bubbles, flowers, trees what would feel like a safe and happy comforting boundary protector for your aura and place it there as it suits you Set the intention that you will not be letting anything in that doesn't support your space. Set the intention that you can feel great compassion for your fellow human beings without letting in anything that's not yours. Ask yourself, what do I need right now? Ask yourself, is there anything else I need to know to support me right now? Ask yourself, how might practicing some of these tools help me right now? If it feels an affinity, you might want to put your hand on your heart 
and maybe one on your belly. And ask the questions again. You can ask yourself, how can I nurture myself right now? Ask yourself what your inner child needs right now. Ask yourself, what am I learning? What am I noticing? Ask yourself what you can do to hold yourself more skillfully in this time. And now, from the top of your head all the way through to the base of your spine and through the tips of your fingers and toes, fill yourself with what feels like the highest energy of self-compassion possible. The highest levels of self-love possible. And let the energy of that suffuse your system Thank yourself for showing up for this meditation, this time. Feel trust that this was really good for you and it was also really good for humanity. Feel connected into your inner elder your most responsible self who wants to show up for this, but who also caretakes an inner child, and that we can have great compassion for not really knowing how to do that gracefully in every second of the day. Trust that the more you practice and the more you show up for cycles and the more you show up to deeply listen, the more you can quickly and easily access these still points and quickly and easily access your boundaries and your sense of 
wholeness. I'm sending you great love. I'm sending you gratitude. I'm wishing you well. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is done, it is done, it is done. Blessings, blessings, blessings.